Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you realize that things are not always black and white. My guest this week is Bianca Hales, who is a youth justice advocate and the founder of the Hidden Youth Campaign. She is working to raise awareness about disabled youth in the justice system and is trying to shed some light on how they may be misunderstood. October is Youth Justice Awareness Month, so I figured she would be the perfect guest to feature on this last week of October. I am so excited to share this conversation with you, so without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Bianca Hales. So hello, my name is Bianca Hales. I currently am a recent college graduate. I graduated in class of 2020. I'm from John Jay College of Criminal Justice with a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Political Science. Um, as you could imagine from that, I want to pursue law school. I'm an aspiring public interest attorney. Currently I work as a paralegal in a New York City Public Defender's Office. Um, I'm an aspiring juvenile justice advocate and intersectionality enthusiast that aspires to change the world one step at a time through education and advocacy. Um, some work that I've done in the past involved a lot of education work, politics, and a mix of law. I combine all three things because all three of them are my passion. I do love to educate and teach other youth, especially youth that tend to be marginalized, especially youth in the criminal justice system or that's caught up in the foster care system or other systems of the sort. Um, as well, I have a passion for policy work, not necessarily politics. <laughs> I learned after being a political science um, major that politics is not my forte, but being involved in policy making is something that I'm passionate about and I see a lot of purpose in it. Um, and of course the law I think is a powerful tool. And when you intersect it with policy work, education, I truly believe that you could do anything in terms of movement building. That was a great introduction, Bianca, and I'd really love to get started by having you tell me more about your background and how you really got to this point where you felt like you needed to become a youth justice advocate and get involved in this work. Can you tell me some about the experiences you've had or maybe the challenges you faced in the past that led you to this point where you felt like you needed to start doing this work? Absolutely. Well, as a daughter of a single immigrant mother from Jamaica, um, having a brother that has autism, I feel like was instrumental in like me wanting to help other people. Um, all my life, other people has helped me and my family. And also understanding at an early age, how the system doesn't always work for individuals like my mother or my brother. Um, I had an inclination and an eagerness to help and change the system. Um, but that also manifested in when I got to college, I feel like I've also had like programs I was a part of it in high school, but I feel like college was really transformational for me because um, I walked in knowing that I wanted to be a lawyer, but the type of lawyer and why exactly I wanted to be a lawyer really got formulated in college. Um, I had a great mentor that told me once, like, you could help anyone like by doing anything, you don't necessarily have to be a lawyer, but 
why exactly you want to be a lawyer and it really had me thinking because I was like oh I just want to help people but then I actually had to like think about it and then I think doing an internship that I was a part of called Pinkerton um a fellowship which was youth justice oriented fellowship which I applied to after having a wonderful an internship experience at Fortune Society which is geared towards re-entry work of youth but not only youth but also adults that are involved in the criminal system and I remember at first I didn't want to do this internship I was very adamant I work at the mayor's office of immigration affairs and I was like upset I didn't get chosen <laughs> but I think that that was a beautiful thing that happened for me because then I wouldn't have been exposed to the youth justice field and be passionate about what I'm passionate now um there I got to work with the youth um and helping them um get jobs, um, re-enter successfully back to society. Um, and I think there I had a striking realization of that even though within my, um, being like a black woman and having all these different disadvantages in the world, I also was very privileged in having a mother that was very attentive to me, having teachers that invested in me, having people around me that believed in me and would not let me stray or fall prey to the system. Um, and I saw how many other youth didn't have those resources essentially to succeed and that if they did and people invested in them if they were met in better neighborhoods had better education had better resources they would probably have very different outcomes than they had right in front of them and I think that I really changed my perspective about the legal field after that and I changed like what I wanted to do and the Pinkerton Fellowship really helped me do that by engaging me and working with youth as an education advocate for an entire year um, and that was ups and downs, but so amazing. Um, like I learned that I definitely don't want to be a social worker. <laughs> um, I feel like I feel things too deeply. Um, and I don't think I would be successful as a social worker if I um, am involved so emotionally in the clientele. But I did realize that working with youth in a legal and advocacy capacity is something that I definitely want to do. I just saw so many flaws within the system that I didn't even know existed. Um, and it really challenged my thinking about how I want to be a lawyer, how I want to utilize the law, and what can I best do to really help highlight and really let these youth thrive, essentially. I love that. And I'm really interested to know more about the Hidden Youth Campaign and the work that you've been doing with that project. Can you tell me some about the mission and what you've really been working on since founding the Hidden Youth Campaign? Absolutely. So the Hidden Youth Campaign is something that started actually as a class project. <laughs> so um, a part of that fellowship I was telling you about, I had a class with that fellowship. And there we got to learn about youth justice related issues um, and also learn about how the juvenile justice system operates. Because, you know, many people know about the criminal justice system, but not really about how youth are impacted and how that system is vastly different. So within that class, I had an opportunity to do a social change project. So you could create a campaign, you could write an op-ed, whatever, but I decided to use my artistic abilities and like my passion for social media to like be an advocate there. So I created that campaign because I realized within that classroom that disabled youth make up 85% of the juvenile justice system. But this was like so surprising to me, but no one talks about them or highlights them. Or we always hear about black youth, LGBT youth, foster care youth, like all these different youth that are in the system and caught up, which is very important to highlight, but no one ever talks about disabled youth, even though they make up 85%. Um, so I found that really interesting and I want to dive more about it and learn more about it, especially as someone that loves to advocate and learn more about 
youth that's disabled, having a brother that is one, um, I want to dive more into that. So I did a lot of research and that's how I created the campaign um, to raise awareness of it and to highlight disabled youth within the juvenile justice system and why they funneled into the system to begin with. And I got to learn more about the school to prison pipeline, the disability to prison pipeline, this special education prison pipeline, which is all very interesting and things that I feel like a lot of individuals don't know a lot about and turn a blind eye to. So that's why I created it. And some things that I'm working on now for it, I'm excited to throw out some projects, some action involved projects. I definitely wanna get my Instagram community more involved in like taking their own action and teaching other people about youth that are disabled in the system and how we could essentially eradicate um, and dismantle the disability prison pipeline, the school to prison pipeline, and the special education to prison pipeline. Disabled youth in the justice system is definitely an issue that a lot of people don't know about, and it's certainly one that I don't know that much about either, so thank you so much for sharing some more background about that. I would also love to know, what is some of the best advice you've ever gotten? Are there any words of wisdom that you try to live by? Does anything like that come to mind for you? Yes, I think one thing that really helped me um, formulate my passions um, is something I heard from my pre-law advisor once. He told me that once you find the group of individuals that you want to help, then you know exactly what you need to do. And I think that was just really helpful for me because I really battled back and forth of like, oh, should I do this? Should I go to law school? Should I do that? Um, but really finding the, um, the youth population um, that I wanted to help really solidified what do I need to do or what's the tools that I need to attain so that I can be the best advocate possible for them um, and really be that change agent that I aspire to be and what really fuels me. Um, not, I think that a lot of times, especially like I feel like youth are just so in the space where we feel like we have to like achieve more at a younger age, which is like amazing, but at the same token, we forget that our mental health is important as well. Um, and I really encourage people to like go with what you're passionate about, but also take care of yourself because you can't take care of yourself, you can't help other people. And I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> uh, I'm still learning to do that. Um, but I think that definitely following your passions, finding who you wanna help and what you wanna do first, and then finding the other things um, will definitely help you and putting yourself first before you help others will make you a stronger advocate. It's something that I would advise other people to do. Yeah, I think that is some great advice. So thank you so much for sharing that. And as we're talking about the school to prison pipeline, the disability to prison pipeline, the special education to prison pipeline, what are some of the changes that you'd like to see in regards to those issues? How do you think that we in the US in particular how could we improve that aspect of the justice system? Yes, I think I definitely want to see a more holistic approach in schools. I feel that a lot of times schools typically teach individuals a one-way one system, right? Everyone learns differently. There's textile learners, there's visual learners, but a lot of time we're taught through a dictation format with a board and everyone's just dictating, the teacher's typically dictating and the students are reading and just listening. But not everyone learns that way. And also people come into the classroom with a lot of different things from home, from things that they're experiencing, things they're going through. And I feel like we need to teach our teachers and our school staff to be more inclined with understanding signs and signals, but approaching it not from a 
I need to save a savior complex, but more as opposed to meeting youth where they're at and trying to truly understand them before jumping to extreme intervention. So I feel like a lot of things could be avoided by intervening quicker, but also in an adequate fashion that is holistic and more of a healing approach as opposed to a harm approach. Because a lot of times when you send youth to disciplinary actions into the principal's office or end up calling cops on them, it's just making the situation worse. And at a young age, you're already building uh, a rap sheet for this child. You're already setting them up for a disadvantage in society. And I think a lot of a lot of times, a youth that perpetuate violence or end up doing um, delinquent things typically are just hurt or expressing themselves in a way that they have been taught. So I think that it just takes a lot of inner work or maybe there needs to be more social workers or maybe of that sort in schools. But also I think it's a big approach, not only from the school, but also from parents, also from community leaders. I think just like they say, like it takes a village to raise a child. I really definitely believe in that. <laughs> um, and I think it takes the village to really heal the system and to heal schools um, and to make it more of a space that is meant for everyone to succeed. Because I feel like a lot of times youth with disabilities are set on a, a trap to like not really succeed because already their standards are set lower for them because they're disabled. Oh, this person has an intellectual disability. Oh, they, they can't achieve this. They're, you're already setting the bar very low for these youth and they know that. They know, they feel it. And I feel like when you set the bar low, it's not really setting them up for success. And I think that we need to hold ourselves and our reframe our thinking about youth with disabilities and how capable they are and really coming from a approach that you could do anything and not that you're limited by your disability or whatever. I love that. And if there was one thing that you wish you could share with everyone in the country about the justice system and youth with disabilities, because I think, as I, as I mentioned before, I think that this is an issue that a lot of people don't know that much about. If there was anything that you could share about the work that you're doing, what's one thing that you wish everyone could know about these topics? I think one thing that comes to mind is that things are, are not always black and white why someone does something is not the, the crime or whatever incident that happens, actions are not always what you see on the surface. Someone could do something and if you really look at their whole story, um, you look to understand like why they did it. Not that it's correct, but why things are happening. And I think if we try to understand why things happen, we will be a better society because I think that we could truly heal and help individuals or stop things from happening that started to formulate these actions instead of being reactive. So being proactive in terms of youth health, education, and et cetera, could really make a tremendous difference in making advocates and good citizens in the world. And I feel like that's something that I would really try to help people understand more of. But also I think that understanding that everyone has absolute worth because even if someone does something, that may not be right or may be against the law, I don't think that that strips them of their dignity and their human being and their humaneness. And I think that understanding from the beginning that we're all human and we all make mistakes, I think is very imperative. Um, and think about really trying to heal as a community as opposed to shunning people and really trying to demonize other people. Because I feel like everyone has made a mistake 
that probably could have ended them up being incarcerated or probably getting fined, but we just weren't caught. So I think they're really thinking about that from a different approach would really be instrumental in helping everyone create a better society for the youth of tomorrow. I think the idea that nothing is black and white makes so much sense, and that's really some great advice, so I'm glad that you shared that. I'd love to ask you one last question, and then I'll let you go, but there are lots of young people out there who want to get involved in activism, or they may want to raise awareness. Do you have any advice for these people who may just not know where or maybe how to get started? Yes, I think that if they don't know where to start, I, I would just say, just start. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm the queen of overthinking. <laughs> um, and sometimes that stops me from posting as often or, like, not chasing certain things. But just go with your heart. A lot of times your gut and your intuition is right. And your passion, this, you, especially in this world that aims to be perfect, <laughs> don't worry about being perfect. The right message will go to the right people. Um, and people receive it. Authenticity is what's best. Don't try so hard to be, like, your best um, influencer on Instagram or like the best advocate. Just be a voice for others and be a voice for yourself and be authentic to who you are. And I think that in itself will just do the do the magic for you. Um, do it for the right reasons as well. Cause I feel like because platforms are so easy to attain nowadays, it could just you could get caught up in the platform as opposed to what your platform is here to do. And I think that just remembering your purpose, remembering that you're bringing a unique voice to this. And while many other people might be doing the same work that you're doing, no one has the perspective and the intellect and the approach that you have. And you bring something unique just by showing up. So I think that having that approach, coming into it with that, you should be fine. And don't stress it too much. Just enjoy it and just enjoy um, helping out other people and doing the work that you're passionate about. I was really inspired after this conversation with Bianca, and I think I learned a lot from listening to her talk about her passions and her work. I want to highlight the piece of advice that she shared about accepting that things aren't black and white. It can be so easy, and it feels comforting when there is a simple, correct answer to a question. Yes, no, left, right, up, down. But so many things in life just aren't that simple. As Bianca said, rather than living in the black and white, we have to try to work on accepting the gray areas of life. Ask questions, challenge your assumptions, listen to others, accept that everyone's situations and lived experiences are different and valid, and above all, try to live in the gray area of life. Because change comes when you realize that things are not always black and white. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can follow Bianca on Instagram at Bianca Hales to get connected with her. And you can also check out the hidden youth campaign at THY campaign. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at Lily at be the change org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, Be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.